I've always had bad dreams for as long as I can remember. So I guess over time is like a coping mechanism. Before I open my eyes, I hear music. Like an elevator ushering me between bad dream world into the real world, like a buffer. The music acting like a buffer. And I hang on to this space for as long as I can. This is fucking sober. Preamble. This was the place where we avoided. My phone reads 6:47 a.m. If I want to get to quote work unquote on time, I have to leave my apartment at the very latest at 7:07. So I should get up. I should really get up. But I don't. And I bury myself under a pillow. Huh? This. This is the moment that I realize that this bed, yep, the bed I'm currently in, is in fact not mine. This is a bed I've never been in because even I would have remembered silk sheets. I peeled my eyes open to see a giant floor-to-ceiling window. If I was a betting woman, I'd guess floor 27? I look into the distance and I see the Empire State Building and I think, that took 7 million man-hours to build while also thinking, where the actual fuck am I? And then I say the thing that I've been saying for far too many mornings, over far too many years. I'm never drinking again. Yup. I am awake. Yo, hold up with the positive music. There's more story to this. Life continues after sentences like that. Okay, okay, okay. <clears throat> I roll over to find my cracked screen iPhone on the floor. During my effort-filled flip, a la beached whale from back to stomach, I took a physical inventory. Socks, check. Underwear, check. Bra, if you could call it that, check. Pants, no. How about a dress? Had I been wearing a dress? No dress. Putting the pieces together. A ritual that often started with clothing. Looking at my phone, I noticed a full battery life. It had been plugged in. Knowing that someone was taking care of my phone made me feel like they were taking care of me. I'm not sure if that's a reflection of how I feel about myself or how much I really do need my phone. I sat up and pulled up the group text labeled, bitches, and took a photo of my view. I sent the picture of the view with the caption, died on my one night stand and gone to heaven. (laughs) Dahlia would find that particularly funny. I wonder where she ended up last night. I had woken up a stranger in a strange land in the nicest sheets, bed, view I had ever been in. I had made a promise to my best friend Dahlia, to a crying redheaded woman I met in the bathroom, to myself and to the whole fucking universe that I would end up home alone by the end of the night. Last night. Tuesday night. It looks like I had broken my promise. Well, I guess I only half broke my promise because I was, so it seemed, alone. Hello? Hello? 
I shifted my position, waiting for the owner of this room, sheets, view. Can you own a view to appear? I reconfigured my bun, pulled the silk sheets tastefully over my thighs, pinched my cheeks, and closed my eyes, posed, waiting, the forever state of being a woman. Okay. I'm not known for my patience. I wanted to figure out how the fuck I got here and who this guy was. Well, you got more loving than a preacher man, so you got more love than a grip shoot on a road. Well, you got more loving than I ever did see. First, I smelled the sheets. Nothing. The sheets smelled like nothing, not like sweat or cologne or sex or detergent, just like nothing, sterile. The walls were white and clearly had never been touched, but there was art that seemed intentional. I picked up the frame on the bedroom desk and realized it still contained the stock photo. Everything was so clean. Nah, not clean, immaculate. I walked into the connecting closet. It was lined with the same blue suits, white shirts, and a display of cufflinks. I walked into the master bath and, using my newly honed detective skills, realized someone had recently taken a shower. Who was this guy? Clean freak or psycho killer? Oh my god! Oh my! He has a cat. He has a fucking cat. I'm not really a cat person. Then I do what you do when you realize you're home alone. I was using a bidet. The bidet had three settings to warm the seat. I cranked mine up and felt like a hen warming her eggs. I could get used to this. It was Dahlia. Um, what? Get out of there. Get out of there? What? Before I could text back, she reinforces the command with capital letters. Get out of there. I begin to panic, so I don't even give myself the full bidet experience, and I beeline to the bedroom. I can't find my clothes, mostly because I have no idea what the fuck I wore, so I drop down to my knees, and I find my dress at the end of the bed. I pull the dress over my head, and because God hates me, my hair gets stuck in the zipper, and I yank the dress out of my hair, leaving behind a small but distinct clump of black tangles, thinking at least the cops will be able to match my chopped up body parts with the DNA found in this apartment. It's Dahlia again. She's written multiple times, get out of there, get out of there, get out of there. And it shakes me up so much, I can't even see straight. What the fuck does this mean? How would Dahlia know where I am? Is this person actually dangerous? He plugged in my phone. What kind of murderer would plug in somebody else's phone? I throw up in the side closet, finding my boots waiting for me patiently. I'm sweating through my dress, even with the central air, and I can smell the booze. Whiskey, ugh, and tequila, I pull on my boots, throw on my denim jacket covered in buttons. I'm kind of a hipster. And I open the door to leave when my phone chimes again. Dahlia. Ha, just playing. Nice view. 
Is that the Empire State Building? I freeze. I'm between the open door and the hallway on the 27th floor of a giant glass apartment building. The light hits my eyes and I wince. I step back into the cool apartment, letting the heavy door slam. I pause. I turn. I spy a bar cart across the room. I take a healthy swig of something brown and probably expensive, then another, then another. A hair of the dog that's two times more expensive than my previous evening. That's when I see the note, a legible but messy scrawl. Nice to see you again, it reads. Huh, I guess I do know this person. Glad I could finally show you the view. I guess I really know this person. I try to rack my brain, but it's really no use. At this point in my life, I rarely had a one-night stand that I could genuinely recall the next day. A sort of um, imposed dementia at 26 years old. It was the reason why I started the text chain with my friends. Yep, the ones I call skanks. A sort of half-attempt at documentation, trying to hold memories that never get processed. Reading the note, however, gave me calm, reassuring me that I didn't need to try to put the pieces together because, well, I wasn't in trouble, or so it seemed. I I hadn't done something wrong. Well, except, you know, end up in the financial district in a total stranger's home, half-dressed and on the 27th floor, but not, like, actually wrong. He still liked me, uh, I guess enough to write me a note. I poured myself another glass, and I added refrigerator ice cubes. God, I love those. I sat down on the black leather couch and began to fantasize about the writer of this note. I imagined him with the perfect winning balance of a smile and voluminous muscles, possibly one prominent physical flaw in the form of a mole that I would come to love, I would convince him to get rid of his cat. And suddenly, I was overly flattered that he, this obviously successful human, had chosen me. And I began to imagine my new life in a high-rise in Fidei. Dahlia, again. Remember, This sprung me out of my romantic daydream to a much more urgent task. My friends and I had created a game where we would steal a missable artifact in the morning to later be placed on a shelf in our friend Grady's apartment. It created a shrine of collective mistakes that we all pretended to proudly laugh at. I looked at the time. Fuck. 7.29. I was going to be late for work. Again. I scanned the apartment. And I noticed a clear crystal bowl full of blue stones. Perfect. I went to take a single Moncala-looking stone from the pile and um, quickly discovered that it was, in fact, attached to the bowl. Instead of giving up, I gave it another quick, light yank, hoping to dislodge it, and instead I pulled the entire bowl off the desk and allowed gravity to do what it does best. Send my dreams of living in a high-rise with my weirdly clean boyfriend crashing down to the ground and all over the hardwood floor.
I stood amongst the glass. So much glass. Two seconds. I prayed I could just go back two more seconds. This happened a lot. A lot, a lot. I just wanted to go back two more seconds. When the glass didn't magically float back up together and place itself coolly on the side table, I had to take action. And I did. Um, but what I found while cleaning, well, that would be a, a different type of magic. That would be the thing that brought me to this moment. This exact moment. This actual literal moment. Three years later. Day one, August 5th. I rip off my headphones to face what I'm about to do. I clutch a pamphlet with an address in Kipps Bay for a 12.30 appointment when my phone reads 12.37. I see the double AAs encompassed in a circle hanging outside a half-basement door, and I can't move my feet. I just, I can't, and I'm shivering, and it's 80 degrees outside, and I'm going to leave, but then... hey. Hi. She's talking to me. Um, Do you know where the fuck this meeting is? <laughs> I point to the double AAs encompassed on the door. Oh, you're an angel. I haven't been to this meeting in psh, forever. <laughs> you coming? See, three years ago, after opening kitchen and bathroom cabinets for tools to clean up my glassy disaster, I found nothing. Because rich people hire other people to clean their apartment. And without a proper dustpan, I had to improvise. And I took out some papers from the recycling bin. He was a good recycler. And I half swept the glass into a pile. In one hand, I used a New York Post. And in the other, an Alcoholics Anonymous pamphlet. I left the New York Post over the pile of glass and took the AA pamphlet as my contribution to the Skank Life Conquest Shrine. It never made it. Instead, I rolled it up and stuck it inside my coat pocket where it lived for the next three summers. Like scotch tape in a junk drawer, once I had it, it felt silly to throw away. And like scotch tape, I grabbed the pamphlet to fix a big hole left by last night's events. Last night. When I... You coming or what? Following the woman down the half-basement stairs, I tried to think of this as an adventure. I was Dora the Explorer, and uh, the pamphlet was my map. Going to a place that Dora had never gone before. The front door of an AA meeting. Having a sense of humor was hard. I had seen AA on TV, and I just I wasn't ready to sit in a circle, but lucky for me, it was more like a poetry club reading. Uh, there was these two people up front and a table and about 25 pretty attentive audience members. Flowy shirt woman waved to a few people across the room but sat in the back, and I followed her lead. She then disappeared for a few moments and reappeared, placing on the chair between us two small cups of coffee. This kind woman had gotten me a cup of coffee 
or so I assumed. Because when I went to whisper, thank you, she responded, coffee donations are a dollar. My face flushed at having stolen this woman's coffee. I pulled out my phone and checked for texts. No text messages today. I hadn't received any all morning. Well, that made sense considering last night. Pruning my secret cellular rejection, I slurped my colonized coffee. I wanted to leave. I wanted to leave and loudly apologize to these pretty normal-looking people on their lunch break and say, Oh, yeah, my bad. Sorry, wrong basement. But the timing was off. There was only one thing I could do. Drink this shitty coffee and listen. Rossi. So I grab the biggest, cheapest bottle of that that I can, and I take it up. I watched the white presenting cisgendered male about 30 years my senior struggle with speaking. He was apparently sharing his experience, strength, and hope, or his qualification. He was boring. And I made a promise to myself that if I were ever in that seat, I would not be that boring. But then... This. My second thought was that I didn't know what to tell him. I just, I didn't know how to tell him how bad I wanted it. And I realized that I needed it. Yeah, I fucking needed it. And after that night, after that bottle was gone, that was the last drink I had. Carlo fucking Rossi. And that, for me, after all the other stuff, that was my bottom. I thought bottom meant like, you know, homeless eating banana pills out of a trash can. I was, you know, as they say, powerless over alcohol. <laughs> no shit, Sherlock, you were drinking cooking wine. Now I attend meetings almost every day. Every day? I've gone through the steps. Apparently there are 12 of them. Five sponsees. In the beginning, I made 90 meetings in 90 days. Jesus. I read the literature, go to AA events, and love fellowship with newcomers. Mm. Keep a conscious contract with my higher power, who I call God. God? I have service commitment here on Thursdays, and I stick with you all. I stick with the winners. Oh, he sounded very, very busy trying to stay sober. I decided he didn't have a whole lot going for him. And I was starting to feel bad when... With you people now. <laughs> God willing, this move will go smoothly and I'll close on my midlife crisis apartment. Uh, so if you know anyone looking for a great view in the financial district, please come find me after the meeting. But regardless of all that, huh. no matter what... I recalled the view from the 27th floor. Up until this point, I was admittedly underwhelmed by my AA experience. I had seen this on TV. It was a lot more dramatic than this. There was nobody crying and no homeless people. I was bored. But then the thing that I was waiting to happen happened. Okay. So I am Danielle, and I am an alcoholic. Her words hung in the air for me. Fuck, I was really at an AA meeting. It was apparently a beginner's meeting, so Danielle ended their day count with 78 from 1 to 90 days of sobriety, and then, horrifically, everyone clapped. And they kept clapping. Introduction, 
day count, clap. Introduction, day count, clap. I did not know that clapping was going to be part of AA. I hate clappers. I hate when people clap after movies. I've considered murdering people who clap on the plane lands. Sure. As a form of uh, peer pressure to get someone to finish their beer or chug a car bomb, absolutely. But as a form of encouragement or appreciation, hell no. I'd rather, I'd rather eat nails. I'd rather eat somebody else's nails than be clapped for. Congratulations to all the newcomers. Is there anyone here at their first AA meeting who would like to say hello? We don't ask that to embarrass you, but... I fold myself into my denim jacket. No way in God's name was I going to say a goddamn thing and then get clapped for. So don't even look in my direction. Uh, hi, I'm Brad. I'm not sure if I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> but um, this is my first AA meeting. Welcome. 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 I watch Brad smile. It's genuine. And his friend pats him on the back. Oh, yeah, Brad. Well, you know what? It's my fucking first AA meeting, too. Hi, uh, I'm Anita. This is my first meeting. I'm an alcoholic. I definitely got louder claps than Brad. I beelined to work after the lunch meeting, but not without someone passing me a phone number on a scratched piece of paper with the words, don't drink, just for today. Cue the music. And so today, I didn't. Episode 1 of Fucking Sober, a narrative podcast about the first 90 days of getting sober. Shower is the end and the beginning. Fucking Sober is written, produced, and sound designed by Katie Mack. Story development by Tawny Lara. Sound mentorship and editing by Rebecca Seidel. This episode features music by Jacob Derwin, Katie Burke, and Memoirs of Addiction. Anita is played by Katie Mack, Dahlia by Cynthia Wright, Flowey Shirtwoman and Danielle by Katie Burke, and Gary by Roy Clark. All the artists featured on this podcast have their own story with recovery. For more information about the music, the artists, and our team, visit our website at www.fckingsoberpodcast.com. We do not have any dues or fees to listen to the show, but if you like what you heard, consider making a donation via PayPal or Venmo information on our website. Also, follow us on Instagram for updates about the show, information about the musicians and the artists, and a community for thriving artists in recovery. Fucking Sober is not aligned with any recovery groups or organizations, and the views and sentiments expressed here are only those of the protagonist. They do not reflect everyone's experience in recovery. For more resources, and especially if you are struggling, please visit our website. Thank you for listening. 
And thank you for keeping us sober today, one day at a time. I am awake, you're asleep. This is the first day of my life.